When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, part two of our two-part episode with Charlemagne the God, discussing his remarkable career in the entertainment industry, mental health in the black community and his comedy central late night show hell of a week i'm your host ramses Ja, and this is the black information network daily podcast well you know i'm going to tell you something um so uh, I, I know you don't know but my background is in broadcasting uh, i've been broadcasting professionally since 2005 hip-hop uh broadcaster um and personality and um we have a, a mutual friend, Bootleg Kev. Uh, Bootleg Kev oh, is someone that that I've known since he was a baby. So all that hip hop stuff, he got that from listening to my CD books and you know playing basketball with me. Yeah, I've known him since he was a little kid. best man at his wedding, all that, right? So we're really close. And and you and him got close once upon a time, right? Um, or you're still close, I know, but uh, many years ago, right? So at that time, as as your relationship with him was blossoming, he's getting all these, you know, cool interviews. And I, I know a couple of times you kind of checked his interviews for material because he would share that with me. Um, it tapped me into you. Right. So I was watching you early on and then I watched the evolution of you and, and the type of personality that you were on the radio once upon a time to the type of personality that you are now. And I realized that once you dealt with your mental health and really started advocating for mental health in the black community, um, you became a, you were always an excellent personality on the radio, but you came more focused and, and there was a more constructive approach to your interviews and there was more intention to all of your moves. So this is something that I observed firsthand. So that's something that I personally can appreciate because in the space where I live, I have had to, um, work with, uh, the NAACP, you know, I'm in Arizona, so there's not a lot of infrastructure for black people to organize, to address issues that, you know, aren't really talked about and so forth. And so, um, you know, I, I, I saw that happen firsthand. So that's just me kind of saluting you and letting you know that I am, I'm right there with you. I, I watched it happen. I'm, I'm proud of you, um, for, for what that's worth. You know, I, I, I saw it happen. Thank you, Thank you, uh, absolutely. Now I do want to, um, 
shift gears here because you know I'm not the only person that has watched your career. Um, uh, uh, the the associate producer of this show, uh, Maggie B. Nolan, um, she uh, mentioned something as we were writing the script for today, and uh, you've publicly commented about women's role in the media relative to the moment we're in right now. And you, you're on record as saying that you believe women right now have the strongest voices in the media and that in your opinion, there's nobody speaking truth to power across the board from politics to pop culture to sports, uh, all categories, and that you think the best personalities nowadays are women. Uh, I want to uh, get your thoughts on sort of where that came from, why you feel that way, and maybe even advice to women. I know, you know, you've been really close with Angela Yee and, you know, she's transitioning into, you know, a bigger role or something that she feels is more suited for. So, you know, for our women listeners um, who you've been championing, uh, you know, what, what, where does this, this sort of statement or mentality come from and, and what advice would you have for those folks? I mean, that statement comes from the fact I got eyes and I got ears. Talk to them, say that. <laughs> and like, and I just been paying attention. Like, you know, like when you think of I mean, just think about it. Think about like the past five, six years, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, from Angela Rye, you know, I mean, but Angela Rye really doesn't get enough credit. And I'll tell you why Angela Rye doesn't get enough credit. Angela Rye literally changed the way that political pundits on television present. Yeah. She literally changed the way that political pundits on TV, every network, MSNBC, CNN, any of them, how they changed. She literally changed how they present. Like she showed up being her unapologetically black self, you know, not not sitting there with the news anchor poker face. If she didn't like something, you might see her roll her eyes. She she had no problem interrupting you inter interrupting some BS, mm -hmm. you know, quoting things from our culture. Mm -hmm. She is of the culture, you know, West Coast, you know, Seattle two oh six represent her all day long. And now you got a bunch of people on all of these networks striving to do what it is that you know, she does. Or you look at somebody like Amanda Seals, Jamel, Jamel Hill. Like when I, when I, when I made that comment back in 2016, I, I specifically referenced Jamel, Amanda, and Angela. Jamel revolutionized the way sports pundits show up on sports networks. Because mm -hmm. back then on ESPN, think about it, she got reprimanded and got in trouble for mixing social justice, politics, and sports. Even though there was a reckoning, there was the, the intersectionality of all of them was right there with the, mm -hmm. the Kaepernick stuff and Trump going at Kaepernick. Like, it all made sense for her to be talking about these things. All of these different players and different sports taking needs and taking these different stands and, you know, Laura Ingram telling them to shut up and dribble. Like, even though Jamel Hill was absolutely positively correct in her stance, she took bullets for that and ended up getting fired only for them to turn around and that's literally all they do espn had to hire angela rye in, <laughs> in mm -hmm. order to the fill you know that void they should have just rehired jamel hill but i doubt jamel would go back but you know even people tamika mallory look at tamika mallory on the front lines when it comes to social justice like when it comes to speaking truth to power during the george floyd uh, Black Lives Matter protest when she was in Minnesota and she just stood up off the cuff and gave that speech, you know, about how did, how we're in a state of emergency, you know, in this country, like just be, becoming a leader before that, you know, being one of the organizers of the Women's March, which still to this day is one of the biggest, you know, uh, protests we've seen throughout 
the country. So it's just like, yo, man, in every aspect of, of the game from entertainment to I mean Issa Rae in, in the entertainment world. Like saying saying little things on the red carpet, like I'm rooting for everybody black. And and, and sure. even though Issa's not Issa's not one of the people that's very vocal, you know, herself, she's very vocal with her art. Yeah. You can look at you can look at her art and you know her cast and more importantly who she has behind the scenes. When you lift up the hood of her shows and you see you know, the black and brown people she has in position and, and, and executive producer roles and showrunner roles, like, yo, know, black women, they are, they out here doing their thing. Like, they are the best personalities. I don't, personally, I don't think that has changed, you know, since mm -hmm. I made those comments in, you know, 2016. There's this women out here that I enjoy listening to, you know, uh, at, at, a, at a very high level. You know, I'll, I'll uh, second that as well. Um, you know, I, uh, do a, a, a racial um, justice show uh, where we talk about issues that are relevant to black and brown communities. It's a radio show um, with uh, Q Ward, my co-host. And when we started the show, we felt a strong need to have a black woman's voice at the table because it was the black women in that moment in 2020 and since then who were the ones grieving it was black women who were the ones organizing the the great thinkers and the great leaders uh, that we saw, the ones that were the most uh, inspirational. Those were black women. And, um, you know, I, there's something to that uh, in terms of kind of getting us pointed into a direction. And in particular, because on, on my show, we cover things like police shootings. Where do we go from here? How to create better allies, things like this. Um, when it comes to grieving and having to deal with those heavier issues, uh, we felt like there was an emotional void that a, a black woman's voice could fill on our show. Um, because, you know, our community, we have a lot of, we're fighting a lot of different battles on a lot of different fronts, right? Um, and one comes to mind, you know, recently uh, that has to do with with offset, or sorry, with um, takeoff. Uh, you know, I've been asked in recent days, how do I feel about this? Uh, how 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 does the the hip hop community deal with this? Where do we move forward? I want to ask that question of you. Um, what are your thoughts? And and what how do we uh, what how what do we do with these uh, things that are happening so frequently in our community? Where do we go from here? I have no idea, my brother. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I I mean, you know. I said this on the air a couple of times this week. You know, there's nothing that I could say about that situation that doesn't sound like I'm reading from an old script. Mm. Because it's literally like, it, it's such a generic headline at this point. Insert rapper's name, shot and killed, insert their age. That's it. Literally. Yeah. Take off. Shot and killed. 28 years old. It, it's, it's like, it's, it's literally like, at this point, it's like seeing Nick Cannon is expecting a child. It's like <laughs> a generic headline, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's like, only thing I can do is keep doing what I, what I feel like is important. And that yeah. is, um, man, helping these brothers to heal. Like, yeah. Helping these brothers to heal, helping us as men be able to communicate without resorting to anger, without resorting to violence, you know what I mean? Let's put some, let's put some foundation you know, up under these fragile egos of ours, you know, mm. fragile ego is a very, very dangerous thing. And, you know, as a man, you don't even realize that how fragile your ego is until you like really start doing, you know, that work on yourself, like understanding 
what your triggers are, understanding why, you know, you feel like you, you're being punked. Yeah. Because somebody said something you didn't like or because you're being challenged in a way, you know, like it's just, sure. it's just, it's just, that's, that's all, that's literally the only thing I can ever think to do is just helping brothers heal, you know, mentally and emotionally and spiritually because I, you know, hurt people, hurt people and, and, and healed people help to heal other people. And when you're right. And you're, you're never fully healed, right? But when you're on that journey of healing, you just start to see the world differently. You start to see differently. You start to hear things differently. You start to process differently. Like, whether it's, wh whether whoever's coming at you. Like, I had a, one of my homegirls this morning. I asked her a simple question. And she went off on me, mm. you know? And the reason she went off on me, and we, after about 10 minutes, because I, I realized, like, this don't got nothing to do with me. Mm. I knew, I knew immediately. I'm like, this door, this door, this has nothing to do with me. And she was like, "You're right. I'm just triggered by what we were talking about." You know mm. what I mean? And, and she, she, she apologized. You know, and, and I apologized to her for any miscommunication as well. But you know, what if I was? What if I couldn't recognize that she's projecting right now? You know, what if I couldn't recognize that she's projecting, and this, this has nothing to do with with me, right? And, mm. and just me being able to say, hey, I don't think this has anything to do with me. Um, being able to, to say, say something personal to her, but not attackful, mm. right? Because it's just something I, I, I tend to notice. And she recognized that and was like, yo, I apologize. So it's just like, yo, and after that, it can be like that in any situation. You know, if a brother is, it bumps you in the street, he didn't bump you because he think you a punk. He, you in New York. Y'all might just be too close together. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or sure. you know, if somebody's staring at you, it's not because they got beef with you. They might like what you're wearing. Or y'all might have made eye contact and both of y'all nervous and afraid. You know what I mean? Sure. So y'all trying to see if somebody's friend or foe. That's why sometimes that, that universal head nod, brother, guy like your peace, black man. Sometimes you got to do like peace, black man, peace king. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, peace, my brother. Like Sometimes you got to say that just to let it each other know like yo it's all love it's all love right you know? so yeah man that's the only thing i could do is just help us help us heal man and you know get all get our emotional intelligence up because it's, it's it's bad out here right now we are here today with our very special guest radio hall of fame inductee television personality and best-selling author charlemagne the god discussing his remarkable career in the entertainment industry, mental health in the black community, as well as his Comedy Central late night show, Hell of a Week. You know, one of the things that uh, it, it came to mind as I was thinking about that, I had to process that uh, in the middle of the night, you know, where I live, the, the news comes here a little later in the, in, or a little earlier in the day uh, for us. And, you know, having to wrap my head around all of these shootings and then you know being able to talk about them long form on the uh, the show that i do uh i started realizing a trend um and there's no scientific basis for this but these are just my thoughts i felt like there is a lot of uh economic issues in in poor neighborhoods black and brown neighborhoods um they're not a lot there's not a lot of money there and that creates conditions with haves versus have nots. And if you're one of the few people lucky enough to make it out of your hood and then be able to go back and hang out 
and you have your jewelry. You know, we saw that with uh, PNB Rock. Um, or you're able to come back and you have some status and you're getting the attention or whatever it is. And, you know, there's, it's almost like a trap. We use the word, but it's almost like a trap. There's, there's not a lot in the way of prospects. You're not 6'10, so you're not going to the league. You know, uh, it creates uh, conditions of haves versus have nots. And I think that that might be something worth considering when analyzing why these murders of uh, our hip hop artists are so prevalent. Um, you know, there's just a lot of things that we have to consider uh, in addition to, you know, all of the things that you're mentioning. Um, and, and it's just, it's just my thoughts. And, and I'm just like you, I, I don't know what the right answers are, but I know that if we keep moving forward on all the battlefronts, I do believe that we'll get a little bit closer. Um, so, so, so moving on, you know, one uh, such battlefront that's been in the news lately, I hope this doesn't feel like I'm patting myself on the back, but um, you uh, are familiar with uh, Ye and, um, you know, he, he's been making some, some strange moves in the past few weeks, uh, one of which is wearing the uh, White Lives Matter shirts. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if you've seen the articles, I, I, I hope you have, um, but now uh, myself and Q are in possession of that trademark. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Oh, shoot. <laughs> I'm just putting two and two together. You know, my... Uh, I was hoping that would happen. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm just putting two and two together. My, my good sister, Queen Yanasta, she told me she told me that before it hit the news. She was like, yo, my... Uh, she was like, I, my, my, my man Ramses and... Um, she sent Cute. me a text. That's why she says... I forgot the other brother name. Q, he's right here. Q Ward. Q, what's up, brother? Yeah, she Queen Yanasta hit me. Man, this might have been like this weekend or uh, I think it was this weekend. And she told me that that two radio personalities from Arizona uh, own the trademark. And then like a couple of days later, I saw the uh, all the press releases and everything go out. Yeah, yeah. So okay. just uh, making sense. All right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, while we're here in this space, you know, we have a lot of listeners of this show that are have been very supportive of. Uh, so this, of course, being the Black Information Network, you know, we share a lot of listenership with, you know, cues in my radio show as well, Civic Cipher. So, you know, while you're here, just wanted to get your thoughts on how that hit you when it first happened. You know, I mean, the first thing I thought was, damn, I wish I like, got, got the opportunity to sue. You know, that's the, first, <laughs> that's the first thing that I thought about. But, um, man, you know, that whole situation bothers me, man. And the only reason it bothers me, it's a lot of different things that bother me about this situation. Because I, I sure. feel like we don't, have, we don't have no room for bigotry whatsoever, especially at a time like this, when literally what we're about to be facing in this country is, is us versus fascism. Yeah. When I say us, I'm not just talking about black people. I'm talking about black people, Jewish people. LGBTQ sure. women, women, women already got women already got hit big time. They got oh, yeah. their rights taken away. You know, like really, yeah. reproductive rights are gone. I don't think that's really dawning on people. Women's reproductive rights are gone in this country as of right now. So it's like it's really about to be us versus fascism. That's why when I see a black man wear a uh, uh, a slogan that the Anti-Defamation League has deemed a hate slogan, mm -hmm. wearing it for no other reason other than, antagon other than to antagonize other black people. Because there's mm -hmm. no way any educated person, any person who knows what that slogan stands for, knows that it was a slogan 
used uh, against black people that were affirming themselves. Forget, yeah. the, forget the organization. You can have your opinions about the, the Black Lives Matter organization, but the phrase Black Lives Matter was used for black people to affirm themselves. That's like black and I'm proud, my brother. That's like me writing my first book, Black Privilege, because it's a privilege to be black. Like that's what those slogans are for. So to say white lives matter as a black person all the way in Paris in front of all of those, you know, uh, white people, that's a slap in the face. And right. you know, he's, he's been doing anti-black stuff like that, you know? And, yeah. and, and that's why, you know, people can say, hey, you know, black people can't be prejudiced and racist you know that that might be true you know but you can be anti-black yeah yeah anti you can definitely be anti-black even when these guys run around and they 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 say like oh i'm 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 uh we're we're we're, we can't be anti-semitic because we too are jewish you're still being anti-semitic because you're saying wild stuff about jewish people you're saying you're saying things that reinforce negative stereotypes about Jewish people. So that is still a form of prejudice. Right. It's still a form of bigotry. So you're still being anti-Semitic. Like the mm-hmm. same way you can be black and be anti-black, you can, I guess, still be Jewish and be anti-Semitic. I would, I would assume that just makes sure. logical sense to me. Sure. So, you know, when I saw that y'all own the trademark White Lives Matter, I was just like, bravo. Got you. <laughs> you know? We appreciate that. Thank Actually, you. Read the story. Somebody gave it to y'all, right? Somebody, yeah. Somebody had it and then gave it to y'all. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, so yeah, man. Uh, we we appreciate those kind words, and and you know, as Q always says, we're going to do our best to be good stewards of it. Um. So yeah, that that means a lot to us. We appreciate that. Um. And you mentioned something a little earlier, and you were talking about uh, women. Uh, the their rights getting stripped away and just like that. Um, so we're 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 going into midterm elections. This is how we engage in the political process in a democratic you know society, um, in a democracy. Uh, if if you had to uh, motivate folks uh, to to make sure that they go out and vote, how would that sound? <sighs> I don't know, my brother. That's another thing I'm exhausted by. Because um, I'm not going to lie, I feel used from the last election. And the reason I feel used from the last election is because, you know, uh, I bought into the, the, the same old rhetoric. I bought into, I bought into the rhetoric of got to vote to save democracy. Mm. Um, you know, this is the most important election in the history of America. And I, we had Malcolm Gladwell on my, my late night show earlier this year. Speaking of having a, a mixture, right? Having a great panel. It was, it was Angela Rye, Malcolm Gladwell, and Roy Woods Jr. on the panel. And I asked the question, is this the most important election in American history? Because that's what they always say, right? Like, yeah. is, is this upcoming midterm the most important election in American history? And Gladwell was like, well, not if you know history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he started naming all of these years where you're like, oh, shoot, he's right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you think about all of the things that we right. have faced in American society, there was a lot of elections that were just as important, if not more important. You know, sure. and he was, he's smart. He's way smarter than me. So you have to go back and watch the episode to look at the years that he was naming. But um, I just, I can't in good conscience tell anybody to do anything but vote. Mm. And I can't give anybody, you know, any valid reasons other than hey man the death of democracy really 
could be upon it's us. It's a real thing, yeah. Hey, man, we're watching. We're on a fast track to fascism. Actually, we're watching it in slow motion. Mm-hmm. We're we're it's right there. But man, you can't tell nobody that when they starving. Yeah. Nobody care about no death of democracy when 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 they can't you know pay their rent. Mm-hmm. You know, don't nobody care about no death of democracy when inflation is is through the roof. People need money, and they want money right now. Like for me to be able to say, hey man. Uh, I'm worried about the death of democracy and I'm worried about, you know, fascism taking over this country. Talking to certain people that come from the slums we come from, they, they feel like they've been, they, they like democracy. What is that? Democracy ain't never worked for me. I'm black. Yeah. You know? But they're not, they're not, they're not even tripping off that. So I don't know how to get those brothers and sisters to buy into the voting process. When, when, when I saw Stacey Abrams say something that was so true, she was like, look, it's not that voters have a lack of enthusiasm. They just have a lack of trust, especially mm. in the Democratic Party. You know, this is a party that promised us so much and has delivered so little. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know how, I, I'm not even joking when I say that. I have no idea how to energize people to vote. I know I'm voting, yeah. you know, and sometimes I ask myself, what am I, what am I really truly voting for? You know, because it's not like there's going to be any change, you know. Only thing Democrats, you know what Democrats need to start doing? They need to start saying, look, we ain't going to change nothing. But I promise you we ain't going to take you back. And we're not going to make things any worse. (laughs) That's that's what they should start saying. Because all of these false promises, all they do is make people disappointed. disheartened. Disappointed. It makes them disappointed and they're not enthused about, you know, going out there and and, and voting. So I'm just telling people to vote. I'm voting. Yeah, I really well, don't have any words for any. I, I'm, I'm not. I really have no other words to, to tell people to go out there and get them to vote. Because anything they tell me in response, like, well, what happened to the George Floyd Policing Act? And they're not even uh, protecting voting rights. And you know they're in power now, and women's rights still got stripped away. And you know they don't move like how Republicans move. Republicans are gangster with it. You know everything that Democrats are afraid to do, Republicans do. And you know it's like, you're right. I can't tell you that you're wrong. So I'm yeah. voting, but I can't tell it. I, I can't, in good conscience, tell anybody else what to do other than, "Hey, man, exercise your right to vote." Well, I think that that's akin to saying, you know, do your best, and that's uh, about all that anybody can do. So, um, I appreciate your candor and your honesty, and I know that our listeners do too. There's there are some realizations that we have to come to as a people, um, and you know, some lessons that take a while to learn. And and I, I share in your frustration uh, as well, because obviously we've been uh, championing a lot of efforts uh, on behalf of a lot of people uh, in this country as well. But I do recognize that if we are going to engage in the political process, that's how we do it. Um, any Anything short of that, you know, takes us oftentimes enough uh, beyond the scope of things that are legal you know, things like rioting and that sort of stuff. And, and then we lose the media wars. We lose the information wars um, because we don't control the media. And so it's a, it's a tricky situation, but um, uh, I, I, I don't want to leave people with any, any hopelessness because that's not really what, what I believe we're looking at. But I think the reality, the realistic picture that you paint is, is welcome and necessary. And it's something that we need to come to terms with as we, go out and vote. Um, and we need to start holding people accountable. Um, I don't know how that looks. I'm, you know, I, I'm going to be as honest as you. I'm, I'm not a politician. I'm a, I'm a DJ. 
that that's what I am. And I, and I felt like, you know, the type of programming that I do was necessary. And so I shifted gears. I have, you know, my co-host Q Ward, I have, you know, people that supported me on this journey and here I am. So uh, I, I know that frustration. I can hear it in your voice. I share it with you. Um, but uh, this is the path that we're on for better or worse. And I intend to uh, stay the course. I know that you do too, uh, you know, as illustrated by your committing the boat. Um, and, uh, you know, I recognize also that there are people that were on a long path before me, before I was born, and I'm continuing in their legacy and in their honor. Uh, and it's the best way I can honor my ancestors. And hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm honored <laughs> when, when, when my time is done, uh, with, you know, folks continuing to, to move the needle forward as best we can as a people, um, for our future in this country. So, um, I, I, I appreciate you more than I could ever say. Uh, this is a bucket list. I told myself maybe three or four weeks ago, I want to talk to Charlemagne and the universe is funny in that way because three or four weeks ago, we had no idea of any trademarks. I know our producer, Chris, was working on something behind the scene because I kind of put a bug in his ear. Um, but but I more than an honor to be able to talk to you, have so much time with you today. It means the world to me. And um, I, I, it's, it's, it, I'm sure our listeners agree with, uh, with that as well. You know, just kind of cool to have you on the show. So I want to thank you very much for sharing your insight uh, and your thoughts on all these things with us today. And of course, the outstanding example that you set and the contributions that you make to the arts uh, and entertainment and the impact that you've made in the black community and into society overall. Uh, I think that that will be felt for many generations to come. Once again, our guest today is Radio Hall of Fame inductee, television personality, and best-selling author, Charlemagne the God. Ramses, thank you, King. Q, yes, thank you. We appreciate you, bro. Man, appreciate everything that y'all doing. Maggie, thank you very much. I, I appreciate y'all having me. And before we go, I'll leave you with this. Two of the most notable quotes provided over the years from Charlemagne himself really summarize the values and ideals that he lives by. One, don't complain, compete. And two, if you're really on your grind, you don't have to announce it. Hustle speaks for itself. Not just words spoken, but words also aligned with purpose and passionate action. Charlemagne continues to showcase what's possible when living a life of service and love demonstrating on an everyday basis the importance and infinite value of being a lifelong learner and staying unwaveringly committed to consistent growth and evolution, Charlemagne the God is a true leader by example. Without exception, his hustle speaks for itself. With focus, dedication, and hard work, Charlemagne the God has overcome many challenges, systemic hurdles, and statistics, and he has achieved and continues to achieve levels of success at work and in life that we all can aspire to. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show is produced by Chris Thompson. Associate producer Maggie B. Nowen. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I'm your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media. Join us tomorrow as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on the Black Information Network daily podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, 
and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 